You're listening to the Ambition Incubator podcast, and I'm your host, Deirdre Morrison. My thing is helping people understand how our brains work so that we can be better and do better in any area of life that's important to us. So as well as bite-sized brain science, I'll be bringing you interviews and advice from experts and guests who specialize in working with entrepreneurs and leaders to help them explore potential, possibilities, and ways to be more effective. And the best bit? We can start right now. I have to tell you, today's guest caused me a bit of cognitive dissonance. Brendan Kumarasamy looks too young to be doing what he's doing, and he certainly looks too young to be as good as he is at what he's doing. So how did an accounting graduate decide to become an executive speaking coach at the age of 19? And how did that work out for him? Well, several years later, but still very comfortably in his 20s, Brendan is a polished presenter with close to 25,000 subscribers on his inspiring and insightful YouTube channel, Master Talk. He hopes it'll be a resource to foster communication skills for all, but especially for kids in developing countries for whom a speaking coach would be prohibitively expensive. So let's see what superpowers he used to build the communication skills that many an aspiring speaker or entrepreneur would give their eye teeth for. Brendan, first of all, I would love to ask you about how long have you been doing this? How long have you been involved with public speaking and, I guess, creating videos and so on for people to learn about it? Yeah, absolutely, Deirdre. I've actually been coaching for seven years. So I started when I was 19, but I started making videos probably in 2019. So this was three or four years ago for the videos specifically. And how at the tender age of 19 did you, were you in a position to be doing that? I mean, you must have a real passion for this from an early age. And I guess, yeah, kids, you know, we would not have known at that age, what to do with anything technological where I came from. But um, I suppose it is different now. But obviously, you've got such a big head start. You know, you're you're so polished and so professional and really, really good at what you do. It's amazing. Oh, thanks, George. You, you know, honestly, it was an accident. And I'm happy to tell you the story. So when I was in college slash university, I went to business school and I did these things called case competitions. Think of it like professional sports but for nerds. So other <laughs> okay. that's kind of like, that's the way to you got to think about it. So so while other people my age are playing, you know, cricket, rugby, basketball, you name. I'm not one of those kinds of guys. I did presentations competitively. And I know this is really hard to believe because you're based in Ireland, but a lot of the the schools in Europe are actually really strong at these competitions like DIT, the University of Cork, like their business students are, are really strong and they fly out to Montreal. They take a flight. Really? Their school yeah, I know it's Makes no sense. You wouldn't believe me unless I told you. So they take their best business students from DIT. For those who are listed, DIT is Dublin Institute of Tech, right? They take their best students. They fly them out to Montreal. They pay all of their expenses. And their only job that week is to present PowerPoint slides. Wow. Well, there you go. Every day is a school day, is it not? <laughs> so I was a part of that crazy world. And I was the coach for all of these students. And how that happened, Deirdre was as I was doing these competitions myself, I got good at them. But as new students were entering this program, they didn't really have a coach because we couldn't afford one. So I just mm. said, oh, I guess I guess that person's me. So mm. I started helping them. And that's how I accidentally learned the skill of how to coach people. That's how I developed my expertise <laughs> so quickly. It was so, purely accidental. Some people have coaching thrust upon them. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> 
Yeah, um, I was reading through your uh, your notes and stuff on on Podmatch, the platform where we connected first, and you know what struck me and what actually uh, you know I didn't really read beyond the first line of that bio, which was your um, the intention behind your master talk channel. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. You're referring to the fact that the next uh, Elon Musk, right? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. So, so it didn't start that way. Let, let's start with that. You know, okay. yeah. When I started making YouTube videos, it was mostly just a whim. Like I started making them in my mother's basement, which is right over there, actually, on that couch, which <laughs> where I'm still based. It, despite you know, I've, I've had good success, but I still live with my mom. And yeah, I started making videos on public speaking because of the students who are going to come after me in this case competition program. Mm-hmm. I realized I couldn't coach them, you know, because I was working at IBM as a as a technology consultant, so I didn't have time anymore. That's that's what started Master Talk. But over time, Deirdre, while I was working at the company and I was building the the channel on the side, I realized that wait a second. Uh, Elon Musk, when he was 15 years old, didn't really have any help. He, he mm-hmm. could have used it, but it's just nobody believed in him. Nobody cared because he didn't have any money. He didn't have any status. So I just thought about the next Elon, and I realized that I was the only person in the world at this point. Maybe uh, there might be other people, but for now, I, I believe I'm the only person right now that the 15-year-old girl can relate to because I'm young enough where they want to watch my videos, but I also have the experience that most people usually accumulate in communication, the 30s, 40s, and 50s. So I had this weird kind of yeah. happenstance of life. So that's what made me uh, go all in on it. Yeah, no, uh, and I agree with you. I mean, I've had, um, I think you're maybe the third speaking coach that I've had on the show. And you're definitely uh, young enough to be their offspring, that's for sure. 100%. <laughs> but that- that's true. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's also there There are different things that, I, you know, I've noticed about what they're tackling. And one of the things that um, a lot of people are very worried about in that kind of, I guess, second life of speaking um, is visibility and so on. And being in that sphere when you don't come from the sort of experience that you've had early on. So. I wonder, is there is there a generational shift that you see between maybe your speaking clients? Fascinating. I mean, you'd be surprised to hear, Deirdre, the average client age that I work with is actually 45. Huh. So 40, 45. Yeah, most mm. of my clients are double my age. And and uh, the 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 reason I mentioned that is, is, is a good lesson for me. I had to mature up to that level very quickly so I could handle that type of clients. Obviously, now there's no problems, but initially there was. Because those are the people who can afford communication coaching. But to your point, is there a generational shift? I would say the generation I'm a part of definitely struggles a bit more with communication than prior generations, just because they're always on their phone and they're always distracted. Right. And so there's this different is communication ahead. versus visibility. Then they're two different two different things that people struggle with. Yeah. You got it. I would say the big piece is really the shyness. Like before, let me give you a random example. Like 20 years ago, if you were a guy and you wanted to date someone, you would have to go to a bar, you go to an event, you have to talk to them. You don't have to do that anymore today. You can just text people. You can go on these apps. So so the the social anxiety for people has increased a lot more. But I would argue that's that's true across all generations. But the difference now is people have the option to opt out of that system. They don't have to meet people in person. They can make mm-hmm. life easy. And and I feel that's what creates a lot of challenges from a communication lens for sure. Mm. Yeah. 
Fascinating, because I know that, you know, there are so many uh, sort of people who have started coaching businesses as maybe a second career or, you know, a later career. And one of the things that they struggle with, one of the things that I see people who are in the first few years of their business struggling with is that visibility. And I guess we could think of that as being very similar to the shyness that you're describing. So maybe it's a case of I, I am not really even entirely sure how to describe this, but um, yeah, help me out here. <laughs> no, of course, of course. So, so I'd say for people who are getting started in the businesses, the biggest challenge, Georgia, by far, for sure, for those who struggle with communication, it is visibility in the sense of how do I externally communicate what I offer to the world. Hmm. Whether it's through social, whether it's through in-person gatherings, whether it's just speaking engagements, there's a lot of problems. And that stems from a couple of areas. The first one is the person doesn't have the confidence in their own offer because they're getting started. So so they can't sell with that same certainty because they don't actually know 100% if this is actually going to help people. Mm-hmm. So that's actually a big piece around it. But the other piece is having the empathy to understand the following. As business owners, our job, and there's a common adage to this, we need to sell people what they want and give them what they need. So what does that mean? That means that when we communicate our service or product or offer it needs to communicate certain pain points that the customer's feeling so they feel like buying it. But when they actually buy it, the actual experience, the delivering, the fulfillment to actually get them the result is very different than the external messaging around it. So I'll give you an example. Let's say I communicate externally my services as, you know, do you want to overcome your fear of communication? Do you want to not feel anxious every time you step into a boardroom, you step into whatever? But then when somebody buys into that, the actual program is very different. Right, It doesn't necessarily reflect the exact messaging that's being sold, but really, actually, it's kind of like going to the gym and, you know, yeah, you're going to lose some pounds, but you actually have to go to the gym every day. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? It's all about um, the the transformation begins with the transaction, but the the operative word here really is begin, um, not transformation or transaction. And I guess this is, you know, what struck me about your videos and so on was that, you know, obviously you do make that point again and again about, you know, you've got to practice this, you've got to keep doing this. And obviously, you've been doing this for for many years now. So, you know, it it does look like it flows very easily. But again, you know, people judge themselves quite harshly when they start doing this sort of thing. And one of the most useful things I actually ever did was uh, seeing and understanding um, even professionals how many takes it, it takes, how many uh, times they have to rehearse something before they get it the way they want it. It's not just as straightforward as standing up and opening your mouth, is it? You're, you're absolutely right. And and by the way, Deirdre, I'm in the same category as you, like as, as you were speaking towards, I mean, in the sense that, you know, I grew up my whole life speaking a language I didn't really know. And the reason is being based in Montreal where I am, people don't, a lot of people don't know this, but you got to know how to speak French, which is a language I didn't know. So my parents sent me to French school, so I'd learned the language, which was, of course, the right decision. But I didn't know how to speak French. So every time I'd go into presentations, I'd say, uh, bonjour. And that was my life growing up as a kid. That's one piece. The second piece, I have a crooked left arm. So I had an accident when I was a kid. So I had this big cast for most of uh, most of my childhood, like uh, kindergarten, first grade, second grade. So not only did I not know the language, it was super hard for me to make friends because who's going to talk to the kid that they don't understand who has a big cast, right? That's number two. 
Number three, you would think that a communication expert like me would study in communications. I have a bachelor's degree in accounting. So, <laughs> <laughs> right. so, so let's just say I'm, I'm, I'm super empathetic to the, to the point that, yes, you know, a lot of us are getting started. And, and same thing with, with being on camera. People don't need to take my word for it because I know a lot of people don't believe me when I say these kinds of things. So go watch my first YouTube video. It's terrible. I really sound like, oh, hi, everyone. Uh, welcome to Mass Talk. Yeah. It was so bad. So, so what's the message? The message here is iteration. I feel what the difference is between successful people and unsuccessful people, Deirdre, is the relationship with failure is very different. Mm. So someone who's not successful looks at failure as a means to an end. If I fail once, I shouldn't try this again. Whereas the successful person goes, oh, wait a second. I just talked to 10 prospects. Nine of them told me that I was the worst human being they met in their life. But the 10th person said yes to my offer. Oh my God, this means that if I talk to a thousand people, I'll get a hundred people to say yes and I'll make half a million dollars a year. So the relationship with failure is different. Mm-hmm. And I guess the relationship also with um, with judgment. That's that's a big one for people too, isn't it? That they will be judged to be a failure rather than just having uh, created something that doesn't work. It's it, it's almost as though we um, we think that there is some kind of score sheet that people are keeping tabs on what it is that we've we've done on the inter- on the internet, and maybe there is, but you know what? It's probably best <laughs> not to think about it. <laughs> You're right. And, and based on my experience, it's definitely no one. Like, there's no scorecard. Mm-hmm. And the reason is because most people, and this is something I learned from people older than me. That's why I skipped over a lot of the mistakes. And they tell me all their time, and they're right. Most people just care about themselves. Yeah, they're all yeah. about their own life. They're yeah. not. They're not looking at you every day and going, "What's Deirdre doing today? I'm going to spend seven hours just thinking." No, they don't care. They might. They might spend two minutes thinking about you and say, "Hey, I hope she's doing okay. I hope her family is well." But not going like, oh, I hate her podcast, which is doing it. Like, <laughs> no, doing it's, it's a funny, actually. I spoke to um, another uh, lady recently called Claire, Gar- sorry, Claire Gallagher. And um, one of the things that we talked about was this kind of paradox that people have when they're at that starting stage. And they're going, oh, what if nobody watches me? What if nobody sees my, my podcast or my YouTube channel or whatever it is that I'm doing? And then at the same time, they're going, oh, God, I hope there's nobody watching. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, That's true. That's so well said. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, you've got to make hay while the sun shines. You've got this room to practice because nobody is watching. Just do it. <laughs> that is such a brilliant observation. I never thought of it that way. You're so right because they, they say the same two things. I'll actually use that. That's really good. <laughs> Knock <Dude>. yourself out. <laughs> yeah, but but I completely agree because no one was literally watching me. Yeah, sure. People can look at the subscriber count counts a bit different than where I started. But I mean, seriously, dude, let's paint the picture. I'm in my mother's basement. I still am, right? I have no lighting. I'm a broke student. I'm a kid. Let's face it. And I still am one. I'm just a more mm-hmm. successful kid. I think that's totally different. But I'm, I'm a kid making YouTube videos on executive communication tips. Who in the world is going to watch that? So how did I wrap my head around that logic? What I basically told myself was, and this is a quote I got from Ali Gadet. He says it so well. He says, if you help one person, the world will give you permission to help everyone else. So I wasn't looking to help twenty whatever the sub is, whatever That's twenty thousand, whatever. I was just going like, okay, well, these kids in university who can't afford a coach, mm. these seven people don't have access to communication. So let me just mess up, but I know these seven people will watch, and it just kept mm. doubling all the time until it turned to what it is today. Yeah, no, it's I mean, it's well deserved success. 
That's that's for sure. And, you know, you, you've just spoken really, I guess, to something that a lot of people are able to turn their nerves around on the fact that it's not about them. It's it's for someone else. When it becomes part of something bigger, when they start contributing to something beyond themselves, then they can let go of that, uh, I guess, that ego driven fear about being seen. But I, I love that. And let me jump on that because I, I feel it's such a great – I love your observation, dude. This is great. Is <laughs> You're absolutely correct. Like think about me, right? It, I, my coach says, are you making an excuse to do the thing or not do the thing? That's more the, the tougher love version of this. You know, there's two types of people in the world who tell completely two different stories with the same circumstance mm-hmm. where they either go – I'm going to use these set of circumstances to not do the thing, which is most people. Oh, I I have this, I have that going on, this, this. And then there's another set of of people who who make every excuse to do the thing. Mm -hmm. So in my case, there was kind of two, there's two sides to this coin. One side of the coin is saying, I'm not good enough. I'm too young. I don't have a, a communications degree. My nearest competitor is double my age and a PhD in the subject. I haven't coached any executives. I shouldn't do this. There's no way I'll make money. That's kind of the most people's mentality. Whereas the, the perspective I take is like, oh, seven-year-old girls in the world who live in third-world countries literally only have me. Mm. So if I don't make these videos, even if I'm garbage, which I was at the time, I'm not going to lie about it, well, then they have nobody. So it's either nobody or it's me. And then on the executive front, it's, wait a second, I don't need old white men to buy into me. Coaching packages are thousands of dollars. If I have like 20 people who buy into me, I have a, I have a full-time living. Which mm-hmm. ended up being the case. Obviously, it's more than that, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So I was says, okay, so who are those twenty people? It doesn't have to be people that are older than me. I just started work. Most of my C level executives at the beginning, dear John, were my age because they were tech CEOs, and they just paid me a hundred bucks here, a hundred bucks there, and I made it work. But I think the principle is, a lot of us are going to look at the same set of facts and draw completely different conclusions. So the question we need to ask ourselves is what type of conclusion are you drawing from your set of circumstances? And the better question is, are those conclusions serving your mission or not? Mm-hmm. And that's really the piece. Yeah. Can I ask you? You can ask me anything. <laughs> This is super fun. That is a, that's a really bad idea. You should take that back now. No, no, no. I don't. I actually prefer that. Feel free to ask me anything. Okay. Well, like I'll I'll, I'll keep it. I'll keep it relatively simple. Um, when you were kind of first, you, you'd done the presentations. Okay, you'd come through the um the 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 schoolyard and whatever difficulties that brought you. Schoolyard. <laughs> yeah, let's play hopscotch. That's how I learned how to speak. <laughs> but um, you know, there was there's obviously uh an increasing window of tolerance for, you know, stepping out for saying what you've got to say for um, standing up and doing it with confidence as well. Because I think, you know, this is something that we have to, I guess, ease ourselves into a little bit. We don't always, um, like you say, the first YouTube video, the the first ones I've done, the, the first podcast is like flat as a pancake. It's, <laughs> it's really... Flat as a pancake. I love that. <laughs> but, um, you, you know, you, you get into the swing of these things. In terms of controlling uh, physical nervous reactions, which people have sometimes when they are doing these things in the early days, is there anything you can offer them to um, to counter that? 100%. The way that I think about this, Deirdre, is what is the easiest possible thing that we can do with our communication that builds momentum in a way that's actually not going to impede us from stopping mm-hmm. altogether? 
So here, here's my, my tip, and it's not even post on social. I don't even start the conversation. There. I start the conversation at the following. Make a list of the five people that you admire the most in your life, that you appreciate. People that spend a lot of time with. This could be your mom. This could be your nephew, your niece, your close family friend, or people you've known since childhood. And just ask yourself, when was the last time you sent them a 20-second video message just telling them how much you appreciate them being in your life? These are not strangers. These are not videos that people will see. This is just literally like a chat on Facebook or something. And for most people listening to this podcast, the answer is zero. Oh, Brent, I've actually never sent a video message. No. Right? <laughs> it never it's... occurred to me. But, I, you know, right. I'm old. I don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not old. You're fine. You, you definitely have the, the energy of someone who's my age, which I love. <laughs> Thanks. Right. Of course. Of course. I mean that, by the way. That's awesome. You're great energy. But the point I want to drive, Deirdre, is I'm not asking people to post on social media. I'm asking people to send those five videos because that's when they'll start unlearning what communication is for. Mm. Because a lot of people think that communication is a chore. That's how mm. the education system teaches us this. You have to do all these mandatory presentations at school. You never get to pick the topic. And by the way, if you mess up, you're going to lose 30% of your grade. Not a fun way to learn. No, that would be coaching for compliance, is it not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah not good. Absolutely. Whereas my approach is, is a very different one, which is a simple question. How would your life change if you're an exceptional communicator? Mm. So many of us dream about the vacations we go on, the expensive things we want to buy, the dinners we want to go on. When was the last time we dreamed about, hey, wait a second, if I was a better communication, what would happen? How much mm. more money would I make? How much better relationships or how, how improved would my relationships be with my family members? Because communication is so much more than just giving a presentation at work. Mm -hmm. It's the way we talk to our families. It's the strangers we meet when we travel. It's the way that we build friendships with each other. It's about leading a fulfilling life. And that's really the key. So I'd encourage people to just send those video messages. Brendan, that is just such a great idea. I absolutely love it. And I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm probably going to try that, actually. Will my mother ever open her mobile phone that she uses sometimes as a bookmark? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but you know what? It's worth a shot. It is worth a shot. <laughs> Brendan, listen, I have thoroughly enjoyed speaking with you. Um, your material is inspirational. I will put all of the links in the show notes. Is there one that you want to give a special shout out to that you'd like people to go to before we finish? Well, first of all, Deirdre, I just want to acknowledge this is a super fun conversation. You actually taught me a lot. I need to go back to the drawing board and go, huh, she's so right about that paradox. I need to spell that out for my the people I work with, too. So so I love that. That's really going to help me a lot. So thanks for that. And, and in term, Of course. And in terms of keeping in touch, two easy ways. The first one you mentioned, Master Talk for the YouTube channel. And the second one, for those of you who want to come watch me live on a Zoom call, I give a free training on communication every few weeks. You can register for that at rockstarcommunicator.com. Rockstarcommunicator.com. Right. On it. Okie doke. Thank you so much, Brendan. It's lovely to meet you. Likewise. You're still here? Great. Look, I know there's a lot to choose from out there. So thanks for flying with Ambition Incubator Airlines. And I look forward to seeing you on board again soon. Seriously, though, thank you for tuning in. My guests and I love hearing about what inspires you on the show and what advice has made a difference in your life or work and what you'd like more of. So get in touch. 
If you want to know about my other work, head over to ambitionincubator.com for details. And don't forget to hit subscribe for more great interviews, advice, and bite-sized brain science every week. Thank you.